0: and bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. Here now is our pastor-teacher, Harry Reeder.
1: Would you take your uh, Bibles now and look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and uh, verse 1 and 2. This, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. The grass withers, the flower fades. The word of our God, it abides forever. And by his grace and his mercy, may this his word be preached for you. Please be seated. If I may um, take the liberty to speak um, in a personal and pastoral way as we go into this and as we continue in our every member commitment season. I thought I might just share something uh, that um, hopefully would be uh somewhat helpful uh or at least it'd give you some insights as I pull a little bit of a curtain back here. Uh, one of the great joys when you're called into the ministry as a pastor uh, is uh, the great Privilege of the rhythm and the regularity, first of all, of Lord's day, morning and evening worship, and then secondly, your calling and your place in that worship of uh, the, rather, the regular pastoral commitment to consecutive expository preaching, that is preaching through consecutively texts of scripture, knowing that everything is inspired and profitable and knowing that God has built uh, balance into his word itself. And uh, instead of you just kind of going off on a hobby horse, then that is, that's is—that's what builds um, uh, the whole Bible to make whole Christians, consecutive expositional preaching. But I've also come, um, I'll probably since I've been here for now 24 years, uh, I pro- I've come to love that um, other little piece and that is in certain seasons in the life of the church where the leadership has brought a particular focus. Uh, that, that At that moment, you then do topical. You're still doing expositional preaching, but it's topical or thematic focused upon that season. Uh, we're about to enter into such a season, the Advent season. Uh, we do so during Holy Week. We do so in a national missions conference, which we always do leading into our every member commitment season, a world missions conference, and um, and I have come to deeply appreciate those. You know, the church's mission is to make disciples that are able to go into all the world as salt and light, and the pastor's role is kind of like in disciple-making, evangelism and disciple-making, the pastor's role from the pulpit ministry, certainly to be involved in his own personal life, but from the pulpit ministry, it's like uh, to teach people to observe all that, they, that God has commanded. Then expositional pastoral preaching is like the waterfall that starts the process. And then it comes and begins to focus into greater power in like a congregational community, a Sunday school community. Then it focuses more into the uh, small group discipleship as lives get on lives. And and so discipleship informationally and relationally take place. And so uh, that's that consecutive expositional preaching. But one of the things I came to realize about uh, these seasons where we're able to focus on a particular topic as our um, as our leadership has laid out these special seasons during the year is that topical expository. It's almost like I get the opportunity to do almost a one on one, although I realize this is not one on one, but I get to go to an issue with you. Personally, from the foundational features of God's Word that address that issue, and uh, so I've come to love that. Uh, one of the challenging things when I came was to know uh, we didn't have this at uh, Christ Covenant on every uh, EMC uh, season, and so that was one of the one of a number of daunting challenges uh, 24 years ago. But I've actually come to love it uh, very much because I know I have experienced how important stewardship is in my life, how it's built into and actually a vital subset of discipleship. And the reality is discipleship leads to stewardship of all of life under the direction of God's word. And so this has become a, a, just a, a, a delight to be able to take moments like this Lord's Day and look at this issue. Now, as you know, we have been uh, focused upon spiritual gifts, the stewardship of our spiritual gifts. And we actually began that ministry theme. We began with the very text that I just read to you. So I thought it would be appropriate <laughs> on an EMC Stewardship Sunday that addresses on your card not only your uh, financial uh, stewardship, but also your spiritual gift and ministry stewardship. It would be appropriate for us to come back to this text, uh, a very, a very, a uh, wonderful text in the scripture and a rather challenging text, but also an insightful text. Uh, if you've got your copies of God's word there, uh, would you take a look with me at that 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 and 2. And I'd like for us to take a, take a look at it. Now, go back with me to that verse 1. Um, this is how one should regard us. That's an interesting beginning, isn't it? Now, if some of you who have read these various passages of Scripture uh, throughout the epistles and the Pauline epistles, you know that the Apostle Paul uh, interacts when the, and those epistles that he's sending to churches. He interacts with them uh, on a very personal level. And um, he even calls out names. The end sections have a lot of names and has a lot of issues. Corinthians, actually the rest of this chapter from chapter 5 on, is going to answer seven questions that the leadership had sent to him. But from the membership and maybe some of the leadership, some other things had come to him. If you're reading First Corinthians uh, chapters 1 through 4, Uh, you'll find out that there is um, very clearly the Apostle Paul is the object and the subject of some highly personal directed uh, criticism, Uh, almost slanderous. And, um, And he refers to some of it in these texts of scriptures. And here he's responding to it. Uh, what what uh, what's being said about him and his team and his overall team? Uh, the Apostle Paul found out what is uh, true by many that um, friendly fire is usually not very friendly, and uh, and it's um, and it's not just an accidental shot; it's usually a well-aimed shot, and it's been directed at him from Corinth. Very much different than Philippi. It's really interesting. Uh, but uh, but it's been directed to him and he's responding to it. What's interesting is how he's responding. He responds by saying, I know how you regard me. I've heard how you've regarded me. He said, now, here's how you should regard me. And he reaches to two very common vocations in the Greco-Roman world. Regard us as servants. And regard us as stewards. That was even more interesting. It's not only two very common vocations that would have been found in the Greco-Roman world. It's also two marks of every everyday Christians. Christians are called stewards and Christians are called servants. So. It's two marks of Christians in general. And now he takes it and says, in my particular calling, just regard me as another level of servant and steward. Servant of Christ. He called me to this this ministry I have. And a steward of the mysteries, the things you wouldn't know if God didn't reveal. That's what the word, when you read the word mystery in the New Testament, don't think Agatha Christie. Don't think that it's not. Oh, I got to solve a mystery. No mystery means something we wouldn't know if God didn't reveal it. And so that's what he is saying. He is an agent of revelation as we giving us 13 epistles in the New Testament, revealing things to us about our God, who he is and what he has done in and through his son, Jesus. And that's what he says to them. So two common professions, two common marks of every believer set aside for his particular calling. And so instead of going into the heights of defending himself and what's coming to him from Corinth, he decides, no, I'm just going to be very matter of fact. Here's two descriptive words for us. You'll find them used throughout society and you'll find them actually having been declared as marks of every single believer. But now here's what it means in my case as a, stu- as a servant of Christ and a steward of the mysteries of God that have been entrusted to me to reveal to you. Now let's take just a moment with those two words. See that first word, servant? That's the word doulos in your Bible. Now, 60-plus percent in the first century, 60-plus percent, of the Greco-Roman world, would have been some kind of a slave or servant. Um, some have it higher than that, but I think I think a fair estimation from the research I've been able to find is about 60 plus percent would have been found. Now, some of them would have been um, captured servants and slaves. Uh, from military conquest, some of it would have been chattel slavery, uh, some of it, it would have been ethnic slavery, some of it would have been indentured servitude, but this is a very particular kind, a doulas. And this particular servanthood is sometimes translated in your Bible, bondservant. The reason why is because they continue to be in servitude by their own act of bondage, their own bonding of themselves. In other words, a doulos is someone who has been in some form of servitude, but the master has delivered them from it, has emancipated them from it. But they, out of three things... Allegiance, out of affection, and out of appreciation. Allegiance, affection, and appreciation have placed themselves as servants freely uh, to that same master whom they had served and who had emancipated them, but now they put themselves back in their charge. That's the that's the word that's being used here. Doulas. Then he says, here's the word. The next word that he used is the word um, is the word um, steward. Now, this same word, if you go to one of the there are two very famous stewardship parables in your Bible. One is in Luke 12. And the other is in Matthew 25. And we'll refer to both of them this morning. Now, let me refer to the Luke 12 now. The Luke 12 text is a, is a stewardship parable. And in it, the steward, it's the same word that's translated steward, but there it's translated manager. This word in this text that's translated steward in your Bible, you'll find the word, you'll find this, you'll find the English word Manager used um, at times. You will find the word um, ex- uh, executive, or the um, the executor uh, of of a uh, task. Uh, the um, uh, a manager, uh, an executive, um, an executor, uh, and a um, and the word steward. And as soon as steward is there, you know that, that that is being chosen because it's looking at the issue of stewardship. Now, back when we were in our ministry theme, I took a little bit of time on this, so I'm not going to take any time now except to remind you. That word in the original language is the word oikonomos. Oikonomos. We translate that Stewardship. It's actually two different words that are made into one word. We call that a compound word. It's oika, that means house. Nomos, rules. House, rules. Uh, My mother had a lot of them. Um, Many of them. We were utterly responsible to obey to the uh, letter um oika noma in fact my mother i love her i miss her just thinking about her this last week as i was thinking about this and all the rules that we had um, that uh, for conduct when you took your shoes off where you went there what, how you make up your bed how you put the towels up oh my goodness i remember all of it and I'm convinced if there is a picture in the dictionary beside OCD, it's my mother's. I'm sure of that. And uh, she, she had tight ship on this. So house rules and oikonomos transliterated, that is just taking the Greek letters and putting them into English letters, we get the word economics, the business of life, economics. That's the word for stewardship. So when we're looking at stewardship, we're looking at a life discipline to be managed. And by certain rules from the master, we are the executors as stewards of the resources that he has given to us. Now, here's what's really interesting. In the Greco-Roman world, if families had means, they would always have a steward. And over 90% of the time, by the estimates of one uh, historian, over 90% of the time, that steward would be a doulos, a bondservant. And you can see why they would tend to do that, because a bondservant would have a relationship with the master built upon what? Appreciation, allegiance, and um, uh, and affection. It, that's why we call it a slave or servant of love and devotion, a bondslave, a bondservant. And so it's interesting that Paul puts these two together, given what you would have encountered in that first century to talk about not only himself, but Christians. We who have been emancipated from our sins, now coming to Christ as Lord, allegiance. Out of affection, if you love me, keep my commandments. We now give our lives as worship, gratitude, appreciation, For all that we are and all that we have that we don't deserve, but was freely given at a great cost to God. I mean, that's, it's just amazing to me how those things are so first century clear to those who would have read this and to those who would have taken a look at it. And, and what would be obvious as soon as you looked at it, What would be abundantly obvious is what is it that guided the steward, the servant who had been appointed as a steward? I want you to think of two things as a steward. Number one, the steward of the house had a comprehensive task. They were entrusted for the care and investment of everything. It was comprehensive. It wasn't just one element. That's why when we come to an EMC season, we don't just look at finances, stewardship's life. And all of the issues of life in the home were under the steward by the appointment of the master, whom had emancipated him, whom he loved whom he appreciated and to whom he owed complete allegiance. But it was not only comprehensive. Secondly, it was, it was focused with a singular focus. And that's this. The steward owned nothing, though responsible for everything. Entrusted and had one focus faithful. That when the time for evaluation came, the steward was found faithful. There's three categories we talk about in this, uh, brothers and sisters, and I'm just not. I'm, I think we could talk about it different ways, but the three categories that we talk about in terms of Christian stewardship is stewardship of time, stewardship of talents, and stewardship of our treasures. And I think that's. I think it's an excellent way to do it in terms of developing, uh, in terms of discipling us and developing us. Time, boy, what a resource. It's non-renewable. You're appointed so many sunrises and sunsets by the sovereign hand of God. He has numbered our days. It's a, and it's a resource that is in, is unbelievably, perhaps it's the most valuable resource, and it's the one resource we have that's non-renewable. Once you, once a day's gone, it's gone. It's also a resource that Satan loves to rob us of. He loves to rob us of by apathy in life. He loves to rob us of it in various ways, um, by distracting us, by um, stealing days and moments and hours from us. But our Savior calls us to what? Redeem the time. Don't lose it even in a fallen world. Don't be distracted. Redeem the time. Make the time profitable. Redeem it. Manage it. How do you, I like this term better. How do you spend your time? Knowing once you've spent that day, you don't get it back. It's done. Time is a very precious issue of stewardship that our master has allotted to us, that we spend it rightly, that we redeem it, that we manage it under his direction. Secondly, talents. Obviously, these all deserve much, much more time than we can give to it, but... The talents uh, in this sermon. Uh, the, the talents you have. I, I like to divide talents into two categories. You've got physical talents, which includes your mental abilities, your your skills, your uh, your inclinations, your reflexes, your coordination. You've got all of that phys- those physical talents that God has endowed you with, and then you've got spiritual. Talent, spiritual gifts. We just heard about them as each one has received. Every one of you have a spiritual gift. It's not static. It's dynamic. It's developing. And he says, use it, employ it, use it or you lose it. Use it for the kingdom of God. Use it for the one who gave you that gift, Christ, who poured out the gifts upon you from the throne by the work of the Spirit of God in your life. Steward your physical talents. Steward your spiritual. In fact, sometimes you have the great blessing of working the two together. Your body is your, is a, is something to steward. Your mind is something to steward. Your spiritual gifts that he's given to you are something to steward. And he warns us in 1 Corinthians, he warns us in Romans chapter 12, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in, he warns us the two enemies of the stewardship of spiritual gifts are clear. Pride in the gift you have or envy in the gifts and ministries of others. Those are the two that rob us of the stewardship of our gifts. And then what about our treasure? Certainly money falls underneath that. But what about the material things that have value in this world? Your, your home, your finances, your resources, your business, the possessions that God has entrusted to you in life. And obviously, perhaps for many of us in Christ, our greatest treasures is our spouse, our parents, our children. Satan loves to take those Satan loves to take these resources and turn them into idols. And therefore, we don't steward them, we worship them. Children, spouse, money. In fact, money he uses so much that Jesus drew attention to it in Matthew 6. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. You can't do it. You either love the one and hate the other, cling to one and despise the other. You can't have two masters. And that one that Satan loves to use as a false god in this world that he says promises everything but actually delivers nothing is money. And that's why he gives the antidote. I remember when I was a new Christian and I was challenged to get a life verse and I fell into this chapter Uh, Matthew 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, and the verse just resonated with me. Seek ye first. What's the governing pursuit in my life? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. The context is warning us against the idolatry of things in general and money in particular. And then his antidote is seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, things get added. What many of us try to do is seek things and add Christ and the kingdom. That's what I love about moments like this and stewardship, taking an audit and an evaluation. Well, we're out of time, and we want to leave the last few minutes for our consecration so let me just give you the takeaway. It's uh, it's pretty simple here. Christ Himself instructs us that while lifestyle stewardship is God exalting worship in this life, it brings Christ-given rewards in the life to come. I want you to get started. In a very this is my discipling effort. I want to share something with you that's so meaningful to me that helped me get started and continues to help me to this day. When I was in the when I was coming out of the first grade my dad bought me a uh, there was a sale. I got a bike, JC Riggin's bike from Sears and Roebuck, uh, which most everything came from when I was growing up. And um and it was a 26-inch bike. It was red and white. I remember it to this day. It was red and white and Dad got it to me 26 inch. I mentioned 26 inch because I could not reach the 26 inch bike in the first grade. I couldn't reach the pedals. And I said, Dad, why didn't you get a smaller bike? He said, you'll grow into it, son. I said, I can't reach the pedals. He said, here, you don't have to sit down, stand up and we can reach the pedals. You'll learn to ride this way, and then you'll grow into it. Well, Dad, can't we get a smaller one and then get a bigger one later? He said, no, it costs too much money. We're going to get the one we got now. You'll grow into it. And I did grow into it and kept it all the way to the ninth grade until I got a driver's license uh, in the tenth grade. I had that J.C. Riggins 26 inches, and I remember trying to learn to ride it. Year, and uh, I remember the bruises, I remember the fall, I remember on Durant Avenue in North Charleston, South Carolina, North Charleston, South Carolina. I remember Park Circle and the cement parking lot where I fell. I got my bruises. That was back before we completely covered people with armor when they rode, when they rode a bike, and I remember uh, all of the scrapes and all of this, everything that was there. My sister came along four years later. She also got a bike. She didn't get any scrapes because by that time they'd come up with something called training wheels. And so that helped learn how and develop your skill uh, on the bike. Can I give you a couple of training wheels in these areas of stewardship that have helped me? Time. I will give you two training wheels. How can I be a good steward of my time? Number one, honor The Sabbath. The promise in Scripture is if you honor the Lord's Day, the other six, you ride the heights of the earth like an eagle. The Lord's Day. Not just any other day that you squeeze in a worship service. Learn the blessing of the Lord's Day. You'll find an unbelievable impact. Upon the other six days. One other training wheel. Learn to prioritize your life. Putting what's important in your calendar first. Start with the Lord's day. Then what's important? Harry, how do I determine what's important? I would love to spend a day with you on this, but can I, I've only got 30, I've only got 10 seconds. Take every vow that you make before God and make it a priority in your life. You took a vow at your marriage. Make your relationship, your wife, a priority. You took a vow and your baptism and the baptism of your covenant children. Make the priority of raising your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You took a vow in the membership of the one institution that's headed to eternity, Christ's church. It's not our playground. It's the body of Christ. What were my vows? Am I living them out before the Lord? You take a vow of integrity in your business. Wherever you've taken vows under the eye of God, there's a good place to start your priorities. In your calendar. Secondly. Talents. May I plead with you. To take advantage. Of not only. Nurturing your body and your mind. Learn. Study. Your body. Buffet. Not buffet. Buffet your body. Make it the slave of Christ. That you're ready to serve him. So that when the spirit is willing. The flesh won't be weak. Then. Then spiritual gifts. Get started. Where has God given you a passion? Get started in ministry. He's given you a gift. He's given you a heart for something. Get started developing your spiritual gifts as you deploy them. Your treasure. Well, what are my training wheels there? That's simple. It's the tithe. There's where you get started. It's the tithe. Now, there's offerings. There's the love offerings. We do those. We call them faith promise. There's alms offerings. We do those. But they, those are at, uh, communions for mercy ministry. But the training wheels begin with the tithe. In fact, it's not even given yet because it's God's tithe that we refuse to rob God of that we want to give him. And we want to bestow in worship On the first day of the week, bring that which you have purposed to give so that that glorious moment we participate in the worship and praise of our God. Abel brought the first of the flock and the fat portion. He brought the first and the best. That's the tithe. He brought the first, the tithe. He brought the best. Those were offerings. Cain just brought some of the fruit of the ground. Bring before the Lord that which is pleasing to him. Bring the tithe, the first, and bring the offerings. There is the beginning of treasure. Uh, and then, by the way, can I give you one more? Be thinking of, here's a treasure, my home. How can I say no to the culture of living in a castle and say yes, yes? to hospitality, opening and using my home for the kingdom. Well, those are just a couple of thoughts. May the Lord find us faithful. Not only is stewardship of our time, talents, and treasure, that which is a statement of worship in the praise of God, we love you. We're a lot, we're a lead our allegiance, our affection And our appreciation and praise to you. But it also is the world. It's also in that which is to come. In Matthew 25. The other parable. Our Lord says. The man with five. Was faithful. The man with two. Was faithful. Two things strike me. Both of them heard the same thing. Well done. Good and faithful servant. It's the heart of a servant that makes a good steward. And then he says. I will appoint you in the new heavens and the new earth. I will appoint you. Over these cities can I tell you what that servant will do on that day he'll do on that day in the new heavens and the new earth with his reward what he does this day with his resources this was practice for that and on that day we'll take that and praise his holy name let's pray Would you just take a few moments, please? Um, And the card that you've got there that we're going to bring forward and place in the baskets and commit them is how the Lord would use them. Would you take just a few moments? And consecrate it in prayer to the Lord, remembering. Whether it seems to be much or little, the whole point is God is in it. God takes the much and manifests much more. God takes the little and the little becomes much when God's in it. Consecrate it right now. Your time. Your talents. Briarwood is a venue. This is to the Lord. His church is responsible. It's stewardship of it. You heard so much even in the National Missions Conference. Of many of the ways. That God's going to use this. Consecrated. Time. How are you going to use your natural talents and spiritual talents for Jesus? Consecrated. And his tithe. Opportunities for offerings are coming at the World Missions Conference. Communion services, alms offering, but right now, Our Lord's tithe consecrated to Him. Jesus, thank you so much that you've saved us and emancipated us, so we're yours, we're servants. And thank you with the heart of a servant, we can engage in stewardship and with anticipation. We will see what you do with this act of worship of our stewardship this coming year. And, Father, and we will anticipate of what we will do with the rewards attached to this stewardship. On the day of stewardship judgment for us, we will take them and praise you. But on that day... We want to be found faithful because of what happens this day. And on that day here, well done, good, faithful servants. In Jesus' name, Amen.
0: You have been listening to a message by Harry Reader, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more information on the resources available through Briarwood Presbyterian Church or for more information on the teaching ministry of Pastor Reader, visit us at briarwood.org or call 205-776-5200.